Hello, I'm Stephanie, and this is Real Housewives of Neopia. Together, we're going to re-explore some dark depths of pop culture, most of which you've willfully forgotten. So how was everyone's holiday weekend? I personally don't celebrate 4th of July, but my weekend was extremely festive nonetheless. For one, I was so blessed to have a golden retriever houseguest named Willow all weekend. She just left this morning. And she just enriched our weekend beyond belief. I have known Willow for about four years, and she's like the cartoon model of a perfect dog, both in looks and personality. Like, she would be their protagonist in a PBS cartoon, I feel. We have not seen each other in a while, so both of us lost our minds when she arrived to my apartment. And ever since she arrived, it was a pretty jam-packed schedule, and it was possibly some of the funnest times I've ever had pet-sitting. And that says a lot, because I really cherish all the pet-sitting that I've ever done. Like, it's really so healing for me to just be able to kind of sleep with a dog, but this weekend was incredible. We took a lot of long walks at the park by my house, and it was pretty nice out, generally speaking. And I also introduced Willow to my other golden retriever neighbor. Willow wasn't particularly impressed, and they mostly just sort of ignored one another through the fence. But the visual of them together did a lot for me. I just really wanted them to meet each other, and they did. So that's all I could ask for. She also enjoyed a big car trip with us because she accompanied us on a tapas picnic on Saturday. And more on that, obviously, I'll tell you guys about everything I ate. But she was obsessively lusting after the duck that we were eating. So when we were done, we took her to a fancy dog treat shop named Polka Dog Bakery, which is also online, by the way, so she could get some duck of her own. And so she got a bunch of duck, kangaroo, cod, beef. She was just really living her fullest life. She was also super accommodating whenever I wanted her to model different hair accessories like my fake Dior hat or when I was giving her pigtails with silky lavender scrunchies. She is just the best dog. My friend Susan, who I actually mentioned in the Bridgewater Triangle episode, also visited us for the first time in ages, which was super fun. And I haven't really seen any of my friends at all, except for Allie, who I obviously live with um, during the time of core. So it was fun getting to see her. And she also joined us on our picnic journey, which was super exciting because for years I've been campaigning for this restaurant to her. And she finally got to see what the hype was about. And to warm up for the experience we watched The owner, Jamie Bissonnette, we watched his Chopped episode that he won to like really get into a place of Toro because that's what it's called, Toro Boston. It's also in NYC and Dubai, I believe. So if you're wondering what we ordered, we got duck with quince clays and za'atar, dates wrapped in serrano ham stuffed with almonds and a Valdeon blue, a shrimp chorizo chicken paella, Tuna cruda with aged garlic ponzu, cherries, and green garlic, which that may have been my favorite dish. And lastly, asparagus with lemon and chili oil. Since this was a special occasion and all, I did cheat on dairy and gluten-free. 
I'm still very much paying for it and I'm in like a world of discomfort, but it was so worth it. We also got ice cream and mine was vegan, but Susan got the basil goat cheese with chocolate crunchies and I tasted that during my dairy infidelity and it turned me inside out. Just like the Britney Spears song, Inside Out. That's how I truly felt. My husband, Aaron, isn't even a sugar or ice cream stand like I am. And even he's hell-bent on going back to that place for the basil goat cheese. I certainly don't blame him, even though I can't have it again because it like ruined my life. But again, worth it. For the record, my vegan flavor was roasted strawberry pistachio with a dark chocolate shell, and it was delicious, but it could never compare with uh, the former that I described. To even further fuck myself up and derail my gastrointestinal system for days, we also got Korean fried chicken from Bonchon. If I had to pick my favorite chain fast casual restaurant besides Shake Shack, I think Bonchan would be it. They're both pretty close, but Shake Shack slightly edges them out. Their spicy wings are my favorite, but the soy garlic also fuck. I don't even know how many I ate because we ordered 30 for all of us, and I just know that Aaron and I ate most of them, so it was kind of all a blur. I also want to take this moment to give a huge public shout out and thank you to Suzanne because she gave us the heaviest cannabis-based haul as a wedding present. It was extremely impressive, generous, and thoughtful. In particular, the pineapple ginger gummies are really carrying us through this Monday. To be totally transparent, it's mostly carried us to a place of possessed snacking rather than like carrying us through the day, but I'm enjoying that for what it is. I know I just spoke about the nice meals that I've had and that I often speak about the nice meals that I've had, but today I've mostly been in a fugue state consuming only snack foods and no actual real food, especially garlic plantain chips, which I seemingly black out whenever I open a bag. Hopefully later I'll redeem myself with some vegetables after I record and edit this because at the very least I have some spicy Korean pickled cucumbers in the fridge, which if you were curious was the same radish recipe I spoke of last week except with cucumbers instead of radishes. During her visit, Susan also requested that we watch Shy Boys IRL because she had just listened to last week's episode so I obviously happily obliged. To be totally honest, I was consumed with blinding jealousy that she both got to try that restaurant and watch Shy Boys for the first time, but it was still fulfilling to pass down the torch nonetheless. We also spent a lot of time watching Maya Polar Bear on YouTube, which is a Samoyed who does a lot of ASMR videos along with other content. Both her YouTube and her IG is incredible, so if you're a dog head, I really can't recommend it enough. I think that I have misophonia when it comes to people's eating and drinking noises, but personally, I love hearing dogs crunch their food and find it soothing, so Maya Polar Bear meets me right where I'm at. 
To me, it's a privilege to watch a beautiful, well-mannered dog chomp on dragon fruit and lettuce and whatever else. I think when Susan was here, we ended up watching over an hour of Maya Polar Bear content, and I hope to continue that streak on my own time as well. On the subject of things I watch on YouTube, I am continuing to follow Dramageddon 3 closely against my better judgment. I have nothing to report on that front because I don't think anyone cares and you all have the tools to access um, the Beauty Guru Chatter subreddit, but I just want to say that Aaron's been forced into caring about this too, just due to his physical proximity to me. D'Angelo Wallace made a great video outlining the steady wave of lies that Jeff Starr has written throughout the years, and Aaron literally made me pause it when he got up. He's also unwittingly picked up some of Peter Mon's vernacular as a result of his newfound interest. In general, I really appreciate when he like peripherally absorbs my questionable interests, but as for what he likes the best from my world, he loves watching Charles Gross videos with me, and he cracks the fuck up every time we listen to Sexy Unique Podcast. Okay, so I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I will be taking a week off from my Ghost of Roommates Past segment. This is only because I'm trying to figure out what my next segment will be before I fire off the rest of my stories, kind of like how Bravo abruptly put Roni and Beverly Hills on hiatus since they're lacking content due to COVID, something like that. I have several roommate stories in the vault. But I'm trying to assess what you guys would want to hear next as far as story time segments go. I'll get into this even more later, but I truly had no idea what I was doing when I started this. And I'm just gradually getting my bearings as we go along. So I appreciate your patience with the ever-changing experimental nature of Real Housewives of Neopia. So that being said, let me know what other stories you're interested in hearing from me, whether that's a theme like the roommate stories, or if you just want a different story time every week, possibly. They don't call me the ethical consumer's alternative to Trisha Paytas for nothing, so I do have story times to tell. I have some ideas, but I'm pretty much down to clown about whatever, no matter how embarrassing, and I want to give the people what they want. If you are one of the few who is looking forward to the story this week, I'll do an act of penance by humbling myself and informing you that I was catfished by someone who was using a white girl's pictures but also sent me Rihanna's nudes when I was 17. Not only that, I happily continued talking to her for a little bit despite knowing full well that those nudes belonged to Rihanna herself. So I hope that publicly admitting that knocks me down a few pegs and you can listen to the rest of this pod, Sans Roommate Story, peacefully. So after last week's episode, I received a lot of messages and comments regarding VH1's The Pickup Artist. If I had a Twitter, I assure you that I would issue a notes app apology for neglecting to even acknowledge it since I was discussing pickup artists in the context of reality TV. Seems foolish and like a missed opportunity. 
I've only been able to find season two, which is available for purchase on iTunes, but I'm interested in revisiting because I haven't seen the show since it aired like 14 years ago. As I was saying before, I really appreciate you guys bearing with me while I figure out the format and process that's best for everyone involved, especially you guys. But with that being said, how would you guys feel if I switched to episode-by-episode season-long recaps of The Pickup Artist or any other show? I would still talk about my week, whatever comes to mind, in other dedicated segments as I always have, but I'm considering giving that format a try. Conversely, I'm considering doing monthly episode-by-episode recaps, so I would still do free form three out of the four other weeks in that month, if that makes sense. The possibilities are endless, and I'm just happy that you've all been so kind and providing such active feedback, so I hope to make episodes even more fun and listenable as we continue to grow, so please weigh in on that. Since I was unable to find the pickup artist streaming for free anywhere, I decided to watch the next best thing, which is Keys to the VIP. Keys to the VIP is a Canadian reality show from 2006 that ran for three seasons, but I watched on Tubi where only seasons two and three are available. So disclaimer, I'm not coming for Canadians, but I'm rather amplifying my husband's own Canadian voice. This show reads way more as 0304, which seems common in a lot of Canadian media that I've consumed that it seems a little behind the times. Granted, most of the Canadian media I've consumed is grassy, so I'm no expert. It is a short-form competition show, meaning there are different competitors every episode rather than a linear storyline, so it's kind of along the lines of MTV shows like Next, Rum Raiders, Date My Mom, etc. The broad premise is that two men go head-to-head in three rounds each episode where they're tasked with picking up women. Whoever wins gets a private VIP party with bottle service and I feel like that's a really whack prize so that's kind of attainable in real life if you just have like a few hundred dollars and it further shows the clouded judgment of all of the participants therein just IMO there are four hosts slash judges that are supposed to represent the four corners of the male psyche We have Alan, who's described as the cold, calculated master of pickup analysis. Peaches is a jock-inspired seduction specialist, and frankly, I don't know what that means. Sheldon is the mysterious, coy, unorthodox philosopher. Honestly, me too. Lastly, we have Chris, who is the hopeless romantic man of integrity. If you take a moment to picture what an early 2000s Canadian pickup artist might dress like, there will probably be some accuracy in your personal rendering of these men. I've only watched one episode so far, and it was shocking, 
but apparently the one I saw is pretty chill by comparison. The three rounds in each episode consist of different games engineered by those four horsemen of the apocalypse who I just described. So I watched season two, episode one, where the games were as followed. Round one, they have to initiate a pickup by telling the woman she looks like their girlfriend. Round two, they're allowed to freestyle. And round three requires they get a girl's phone number while dancing. I decided to browse the Wikipedia, which lists all their games, and several revolve around just straight-up negging. There's a game called Recovery, which requires the men get a woman's number after insulting her hair and makeup, and another charming game called Why You Suck, which is exactly what it sounds like. They need to get a woman after telling her why she sucks. I also especially hate this one called Divide and Conquer, which is described as isolating a woman from her group of friends before initiating conversation. Disgusting. The opening sequence also looks like it was made in Windows Movie Maker, which, if anything, is one of the only endearing things about this show. If it's not clear, I really hate this, but I also love making fun of loser men, so therefore I'm invested in Keys to the VIP. The episodes are also so short, so I'll run down how my introduction to the show went. The two competitors this time are named Frank the Tank and Kyle Smiles. We are first introduced to Frank the Tank, who's training to be a mixed martial arts fighter. In his own words, not mine, he wants to hurt people for a living. Great. The four judges immediately are obsessed with Frank, and they quickly assess him as an alpha male. Based on first impressions, they also liken him to a mashup of Joey Tribbiani and Rocky Balboa, which seems founded solely on the fact that he's Italian and nothing else whatsoever. I found Frank pretty off-putting. But until I met Kyle Smiles, I had no idea how good I had it with Frank. I would be begging for him back soon enough. So Kyle Smiles really did a number on me. We never learned what he does for a living, but his clip package opens with him grunting a lot and doing some like frenetic Michael Jackson-inspired choreo. He's also very excitable and wearing a fedora, as he should. I wrote in my notes completely earnestly, drugs, question mark, because I feel like he may be on chemicals. So from his intro, I can tell he really fancies himself as a lawler, and I think that's my least favorite kind of guy. I don't really want to be accosted in public, period, but there's nothing worse than when someone approaches you and they're doing a bit and they try to get you involved and they just think they're killing the game. I can't deal with it. The judges love his unapologetic nature and confidence, but someone does use the word sociopath, which seems apt. As I mentioned before, for round one, they're instructed to pick up women by saying, you look exactly like my girlfriend. 
three minutes is allotted to them in this pursuit. Not surprisingly, Kyle smiles, fumbles hard several times, and he walks away with no phone numbers. He also cements my original hypothesis that getting approached by him is a nightmare, as he starts with one approach with, sorry, I don't mean to bother or scare you. I personally can vouch, and I'm sure many listeners can as well, that each time we're approached in that manner, it ends with us being both bothered and scared. Frank, on the other hand, is much more confident and overall comes off less creepy, but I obviously can't really endorse anyone who chooses to compete on a show like this in the first place. He manages to take rejection normally, just kind of roll with the punches, and even manages to ingratiate himself in a girl's friend group by saving this one girl from another weird guy who's not totally dissimilar to himself. He wins this round by getting one phone number, whereas old Kyle Smiles got zero. Before moving on to round two, we get a little interlude from Judge Peaches to clue us in on a seduction secret. He instructs men to prowl the dance floor instead of the bar. Nothing more, nothing less. So thanks for nothing, Peaches. Round two allows Frank and Kyle to freestyle for 15 straight minutes so they can approach these women from whatever angle they want. Kyle, of course, starts out by doing some negging. Then he immediately resorts to funny self-deprecation. He calls himself a weirdo and states, I've been lurking in the corner staring at you all night. And he does what I feared most. He tries to lean into being the funny guy. It's such a self-troll to lean into the funny of it all when you aren't actually funny. And if it's unclear, Kyle's not funny. If I wasn't uncomfortable already, he then leans into this woman's ear by expressing in so many words that he wants to run his tongue along her thighs. He gets her number, but it's pretty apparent that she's just uncomfortable and feels cornered into it. I think all of us have been there to different degrees, especially since I don't think Google voice numbers were a thing in 2006. Chris, who is the so-called hopeless romantic man of integrity, agrees with me and notes that this wasn't really an organic pickup, so to speak, and that she seemed forced into it and uncomfortable. Alan, who's the cold calculated master, on the other hand, exclaims, nice, in reference to the obvious sexual harassment displayed by Kyle Smiles. Frank fares better, although he doesn't actually get a phone number like Kyle did. The ladies seem to genuinely love him without having to really try at all, probably because he doesn't come off as a serial killer the same way that Kyle does. Immediately, the girls started getting him drinks, and the judges state that he built up his social value by dancing with the most beautiful girl at the club. The beautiful girl in question will only add him on Facebook instead of giving her number, which the judges are quite bummed out about. The third and final round marks the dance chapter. Kyle opens up with some really weird and gross transmisogynistic comment, which I don't care to repeat. 
just know that I was not shocked by those words coming out of his turtle-looking head whatsoever. If we're keeping things Canadian, I also realized in this moment that Kyle Smiles is the true us tether of Joey Jeremiah from Degrassi. In my notes, there's a bullet point that reads, truly my nightmare, but I don't know if I was referencing anything specific or it was just Kyle himself. Throughout all of this, he gets caught in this homoerotic dance-off with another guy. Both this random and Kyle seem to be giving it their all, and the judge named Sheldon, who is the mysterious unorthodox philosopher, questions if Kyle is a super player, which means bisexual. I don't know why I'm even going to go there with with such an awful misogynistic show that just seconds ago aired a horrible transphobic comment. But I have to say I was surprised at bisexuality being spoken of in such a neutral slash positive light in this context. So guest pickup artists can be woke kings too. The judges even praise the dance-off initiator for going after what he wants. Frank continues to be a lot more smooth and less creepy than Kyle going into this round and he successfully chats up and dances with two women. He obtains one of their numbers quite easily, and it also seemed as though she was actually buying what he was selling. This ultimately left the score Frank 2, Kyle Smiles 1, so Frank the Tank won the penultimate party prize. Again, this party looked really shitty and like something that would inspire a panic attack from deep within me but everyone's different. If you like making fun of gross dudes like me, especially ones with soul patches and bootcut jeans, I suggest that you give Keys to the BIP a whirl. The episodes are only like 20 minutes each. I immediately assumed that this show was a direct result of the pickup artist's success from VH1, But according to Wikipedia, the pickup artist actually came after, which I was surprised. I'm currently looking at Eric von Markovic's Wikipedia page, who would better be known as Mystery, the host of the pickup artist, and I'm just obsessed with the fact that it was last edited on January 10th, 2020. Girls like us, I guess. Going back to what I said before, please weigh in if you want me to cover a full season of The Pickup Artist or any other show for that matter. When doing so, let me know about the frequency as well. So would you prefer weekly recaps or monthly ones to free up the rest of the month for me to freestyle just like Frank and Kyle did in round two? I'm also considering doing a USA-only giveaway soon. So please keep your eyes peeled on my socials. If I do, my Shot at Love Season 1 DVD may or may not be the grand prize of my choosing, along with hand-selected snacks. Marinate in all of those prospects and please circle back. Before I go, I also want to demand that everyone catch up with the first four seasons of Real Housewives of Potomac before it returns in August. Carrie O'Donnell either tweeted 
or he said on Sex Unique Podcast that he'd be fine if all the other franchises ceased to exist besides Potomac, and I really couldn't agree with him more. So while I hope you guys have a relaxing week, I also hope you watch at least a few Potomac episodes per evening, even if you've seen them already. Get excited. As for me, I'm on Instagram at Botox Groupon, B-O-T-O-X-G-R-O-U-P-O-N, and the pod at Real Housewives of Neopia. If you'd like, there's also a link at the bottom of all my episode descriptions that allows you to support the pod for as low as 99 cents monthly, which helps me out significantly. I've had a blast with you all as usual, and I'm so lucky to have you guys all in my corner. I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.